Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome back to The Last Question, the show where we talk to leaders from all walks of life in order to build better leaders who will go on and build better futures. Uh, it's, uh, this episode's coming out Thursday, May 13th, 2021, so regardless of when you're listening to it, I'm just happy that you're here, grateful that you're listening. Hopefully you get something out of the show. If you're a regular listener, if you're a subscriber, I appreciate you genuinely, deeply, truly appreciate you, appreciate your support, uh, your willingness to give this show a shot uh, and perhaps even share it. If you get any value out of the show, uh, I ask you simply for two things. One, share it with a friend, coworker, family member, someone who you think would um, like to give it a listen or at least give it a try. And two, Leave me some feedback, whether you rate and review, whether you email me, arun, A-R-U-N, at enabledword.com. Email is always in the show description. Regardless of the method you use, find me on social media also. Uh, I would just love to know uh, what you guys think about what we're doing, about how the show is going. Um, some episodes are solo, some are interview. You really don't know which one's going to be which until Thursday rolls around, or in the case of last week, no show came out at all. I ended up taking last week off. Uh, if you listen to the Monday meditation, I went into it briefly. We had a lot going on. My first week in a new full-time job, uh, and not, not this business, but an additional job, um, which in many ways will, will evolve into another independent business. Uh, working on that, working on a good bit of training, and then entertaining some family in the house we had. Um, Maggie's mom and then my dad in two successive weeks and then we're going to have some more family here later in the month so plenty going on the boys are doing great Maggie's doing great plenty that she's got going on at work um, so we definitely have a lot to be thankful for we are we continue to be blessed uh, and we continue to enjoy our lives here in central Ohio but in any rate um of the things that had to fall off the plate last week, one of those was a podcast episode. Uh, I do have to say, however, I'm very excited for the next few weeks in terms of this project, in terms of this podcast. Uh, today, you've got just me for a little bit. We're going to have a, a fun discussion, I think, actually uh, inspired by a conversation I had with a friend of mine yesterday uh, on Wednesday the 12th. Uh, not that the date matters, I guess, but we had a conversation yesterday. And um, she and I were talking about various things at her job and I was talking about the new job and we were comparing notes and whatnot. And uh, this person's uh, military also, so I know her from the Air Force. But um, we were talking about training and team training. So that's, that's kind of my teaser for today's episode. Uh, before I get to that, uh, already put in a plug to get feedback. The other thing I'm going to say is actually related to today's topic. Um, I'm going to describe at the end of this Enabled Word's first digital product that I'm going to be releasing here in the next couple of weeks, definitely by the end of May. Um, it is an ebook, a pretty short ebook, but it's meant to be interactive. It is a workbook, really that is for anyone in a supervisory role, in a managerial role, even a senior leader, although it really is tailored for teams that are at the tactical level, as we call it in the military, are at that, are at that low level of the hierarchy where they are interacting with the customer directly in person, face-to-face, -face, or they're interacting with the customer directly over the phone, over email, over a chat app of some kind, over instant message or they're interacting with the product, or they're manufacturing, they're putting pieces and parts onto the product. It's for that small team, uh, small or medium-sized team, I know those terms are relative, the, the folks that are responsible to get the job done that the organization at large is known for. They are the ones accomplishing the mission, right? So in the military sense, an infantry squad, a platoon, a flight, these are the folks that are executing the tactical level tasks that the squadron group and wing commanders, that the battalion and brigade commanders, that all the senior officers and senior NCOs are looking for 
to accomplish the larger operational and strategic mission. So the ebook is going to be tailored for those frontline and first-time supervisors and managers. Uh, it's, it's relatively short, and so the product won't go for very much, but I think it will provide you an immense amount of value, honestly, in um, narrowing down your team's scope and focusing on what matters. And I will say a little bit more about that at the end of the show. So I think those are all the notes, all the announcements that I have, if you will. Uh, I've been having a lot of fun doing this podcast so far. Hopefully you've had a lot of fun too. If you're brand new to this show, we're kind of just picking up uh, in yet another week. Uh, of course, I'd encourage you to go back to episode number one, but each episode is also designed to stand on its own. So you don't need to go back and listen to every episode. Um, the Monday meditation is a question for you to ponder throughout your week, something that hopefully challenges you not just to get better yourself, but to help others around you get better. And then Thursday is either a solo episode diving deeper into something or uh, an interview. And I'm very excited. We've got uh, some awesome interviews coming up in the next few weeks, starting with next week. We've got a pretty cool interview lined up, uh, but that's as far as I'm going to tease it. So just going to have to wait and watch it pop up in your subscription feed next week. All right. So that's all I've got for the administrative stuff. Let's get to today's topic, which as often happens, even on a Thursday episode, starts with uh, a question. I really want you to think about this one now. Picture yourself in your workplace, at your desk, or on the line. If it's industrial, if it's traditional office environment, if you are working from home, if you are retail, if you're in a restaurant or bar, if you're at uh, an auto shop, car dealer, wherever you spend your time professionally, ask yourself this question. Picture yourself there. Perhaps you are there. In some cases, maybe you are there, so this should be easy for you. Ask yourself this question. What kind of fire extinguisher would you use in the event of a fire? What kind of fire extinguisher would you use in the event of a fire? What kind of fire extinguisher should you use? If that question sounds ridiculous to you, and it may not, you, you, might, you might be sitting there and you might say immediately, type A or type C. There are, at my last bit of research earlier this morning, five, six different types of fire extinguishers, and they range from what you're used to seeing, either water-based or CO2, all the way to things for wet chemical, for flammable liquids, for electrical fires. I am not a firefighter. I never have been. I have tons of respect for firefighters. I likely will never be a firefighter. I've known firefighters in the past, but fire extinguishers are among those topics that didn't come up in conversation, not very much. I've never worked with firefighters, not officially, uh, and so I'm not qualified really to talk, certainly not qualified to advise you on what kind of fire extinguisher to use. But here's my point. For almost all of the 13 years I was on active duty, I want to say at least 10 because our, our training requirements fluctuated as, as they do in any large company. For most of my um, for most of my active duty career, one of the many computer-based trainings we had to take was fire extinguisher. Every year, we took a computer-based module that described for you each type of fire extinguisher, what kind of material was inside the canister, and what types of fires that fire extinguisher could be used for. Now, if, uh, if you're new to the show or if you haven't caught it in the past, I am a Minuteman operator, was a Minuteman operator. So I 
worked with nuclear weapons, although I did not work in close proximity to them, uh, as dictated by our many safety rules and regulations. Uh, so uh, among other things that was strictly prohibited, I could not on a regular basis interact with the weapon physically, right? So I wasn't sitting where the missile was. I sat in a location several miles away from where the missile was in an underground capsule, about 80 feet below ground, where we did have fire extinguishers. We were required to have fire extinguishers. We were surrounded by electrical equipment. We had a burn can where we had to destroy certain types of paper messages and materials every so often. Um, we didn't really deal with flammable liquids in the capsule, although across from us in another underground portion of the complex was a huge diesel engine and a diesel fuel tank used for emergencies when the power grid goes down. So there's flammable liquids nearby. I'm surrounded by electrical equipment that is on 24-7, 365. Uh, I am from time to time lighting small fires inside of a charred ammo can to burn up random, you know, sensitive material and, and things that cannot be taken out in public. And throughout every 36 hour or so shift that I would pull in one of these capsules, we trained for fires inside the capsule and in the underground complex. And I thought about, especially as a crew commander, as a senior supervisor in that environment, and as a mission commander responsible now for multiple capsules across a large space, I thought about what happens if we have a large fire inside of a capsule? What happens if it is so bad that it incap incapacitates our crew, one of our crews, and they can't get out and they can't get a call upstairs? We talked about that kind of stuff. We trained for that kind of thing. It's a hard conversation to have. It's hard to think about, especially when you make friends with many of these other crew members on the team. But throughout each one of those conversations, throughout every scenario I went through as an operator and as a senior operator toward the end of my time in the field where I thought about what would happen if there was a fire, what would happen if there was an overheat event on one of our pieces of equipment and the fire suppression checklist, we went through it and it didn't work and it started to escalate and then things got smoky and, and it got bad. What would happen? What would we do? Now we had fire extinguishers in the capsule and the checklist includes a step that says, use the fire extinguisher. At that point, that piece of equipment is toast, if not already. Pun intended, by the way. So, but at no point did we talk about whether the fire extinguisher in the capsule was the right one. At least I don't remember it. At no point did we talk about having to check the fire extinguisher type in the capsule where it was mounted behind me or mounted in that in the space. We didn't talk about checking its type before we pulled the pin, pulled the trigger, and, and directed the contents of that canister, whatever's in there, directly into a ventilation duct that carries air uh, into the back of one of these pieces of electrical equipment. So unless it's changed, and it could easily change, my information is all dated. But the procedure I learned at the time was you would close the air supply to the rack, to the, to the piece of equipment. After pulling circuit breakers, and you're waiting throughout to see if the fire kind of snuffs itself out. And when all else fails, when the fire is still going, and more than likely it's big enough that you can at least see smoke, you're going to open up a... Uh, an air damper, you're going to open yourself up to the back of that rack and you're going to shoot fire extinguisher contents into the back of that thing to just snuff it out by force. Totally justifiable action, I think, if it's a fire bad enough that it can't be controlled by any other means. But the point is, we never talked about checking the fire extinguisher type first. We never talked about whether the fire extinguisher that was installed in the capsule was the one we should use. The one thing we did was check expiration dates, right? We would check the service dates on our fire extinguishers on a periodic basis. That made sense. 
But we didn't sit there debating and we didn't train people to debate whether the fire extinguisher was the right one. All right, so what's my point? Where the hell am I going with this? In that environment, if there's a fire in my capsule or a fire in another capsule in my squadron for whom I'm responsible, the last thing on my mind is the type of fire extinguisher they have. The first thing on my mind is safety of the crew, safety of my crew and of my extended crewmates, my squadron mates in the other capsules. And yet, the amount of attention we would place and my supervisor would place on me if I was delinquent in my fire extinguisher training as mandated by the Air Force at some points was just plain excessive. We tracked that training for every single squadron member, every single human being in that wing, not by choice, but by necessity because the echelons above us in the hierarchy required us to, the Air Force requires us to, requires them to. Still, still getting used to being out, but we had to track that. And we're not the only military service with stuff like this. Everybody has computer-based trainings. They have to go through HR type trainings. And we're talking about all sorts of things. It, many topics of which are important but they're not placed well enough in context. So for instance, we had an annual fire extinguisher training where I'm either deployed to a missile complex and into a capsule where the fire extinguisher is sitting there waiting for me to, to use it. I don't have a choice or I'm sitting in an office where the majority of the fire hazards that training goes through don't apply. I'm at a desk with a computer, you know, just like any other standard office worker in an office building downtown, wherever you live. And yet, if I didn't pass the test, didn't pass the quiz, understanding what a type K fire extinguisher was meant for, right, I would fail the course and I would have to go through it all again. And I know what you're thinking, right? If you're out there and you're wondering, well, just go audio off and speed through the slides or you play it at twice the speed and get through it. You couldn't do that with the fire extinguisher training. I remember trying. I remember asking because by this point I was like, I got too many other things to do that actually matter to the mission. How in the hell do I get this thing done? You can't do it. It's safety. It's for use in an emergency. You can't speed through the training. It's important. Based on our computer-based training system, it was as important as the computer-based version of survival, escape, resistance, and evasion, or excuse me, survival, evasion, resistance, and escape, SEER. It was as important as ensuring religious accommodations for active duty service members. It was as important as a training on preventing and detecting human trafficking. We tracked on the same spreadsheet using nice red, yellow, and green boxes, staying current on a training that most of us could not apply, like fire extinguisher, with a training theoretically any one of us would be expected to apply, like religious accommodation for service members, like detecting human trafficking when you're traveling, or when you're running around town and you see something suspicious. We put those on the same playing field. Now, I, I always will remind you the, that my information is dated and will only become more so as time goes on. And certainly I'm not going to spend this podcast's entire lifespan talking about my Air Force experience. But I, I am using to, I'm using this fire extinguisher thing as an example because I think it helps illustrate a much larger point that certainly applies in and out of the military equally. If you tell your team, if you tell yourself, if you tell your family, if you tell your kids that everything they're doing, every task, every training module, every chapter of the book, every subtopic on the test is important equally, 
then none of them are. If everything is important, nothing is important. So let me unpack what that means. Over time, and I'll, I'll use a military example and a non-military example. So in my case, in nuclear weapons, and if, and if you've listened to the show, right, or, or you've read any of my writing, you, you've already seen this or known this. Certainly, if you're a missileer out there, you know what I'm talking about. We spent decades making everything important. Everything was important. So a, a test that we took monthly on material that was recycled, on material that was tested as directed by a headquarters run by a two-star general, on those tests, if I scored below a 95, I got the evil eye. In some places, if you score below 100, you got the evil eye. Okay. If I went to the field and made a mistake that did not cost any lives, did not injure anyone, did not cost any money, didn't uh, uh, injure or damage, rather, a vehicle, if I made a mistake that caused absolutely no impact to the mission, to a human being, to a piece of equipment, I got the evil eye. Now, if I made a mistake that did cause impact to the mission or, heaven forbid, injure, uh, injure or kill someone, yeah, absolutely, it's going to be way more than an evil eye. But I think we can all agree that those are the mistakes that we have to do everything we can to avoid making. But what we did as a community is everything short of real impact to the mission and real impact to our people. Everything got some version of the evil eye. And a lot of those things, regardless of their impact, came with paperwork, some sort of counseling or a, or a, or a punitive style discussion, a meeting with senior leadership that was not comfortable, a meeting in dress uniform. If everything is important, nothing is important. We spent decades reinforcing to everyone that everything you do is important. It's nuclear weapons after all. So I could easily see this same argument at a bank, at a restaurant, on an assembly line, I could easily see it in a marketing agency because the outcomes you're providing matter to someone. The outcome you're providing is of value to someone and someone, a client of yours, a customer of yours is spending hard earned money for that value. If you're, if you work in food service, if you work in a restaurant, I worked in food service in college. If you work in a restaurant, if you work in fast food, fine dining, it doesn't matter, right? And I, and, and I experienced this type of thing, the same type of thing uh, in, it, in my own experience. The way you addressed the customer, the way you made the food, the way you disposed of remnants of food, the way you bust tables, the way you refilled glasses, the way you addressed a customer question or concern, the way you carry dishes back to the kitchen for dishwashing, the way you separated meat types, the way you separated breads, the way you did everything was looked at with equal importance by the manager, by one manager in particular. She wanted you to be fast and she wanted you to be accurate and she wanted you to be exceedingly accommodating. The restaurant's policy was anything the customer asks for gets a yes. Literally, that's what I was told on my training day when I showed up to their corporate office across town. I'm sitting in, a, in one of those sterile, standard, beige-colored training rooms looking at slides, and they said anything the customer asks for gets a yes. That's what sets us apart. Okay. I will say, since I worked there many years ago, it appears that that policy is no longer in force. I've eaten there recently, 
And not that I put it to the test, but I was curious uh, and it was not a yes, not per se. But in the day when I joined, no kidding, because someone asked this question in my room, in my training session, if a customer eats half of a sandwich or eats half of a bowl of soup or um, drinks half of their specialty made coffee or latte or whatever, and they bring it back up and they say, it didn't taste right, or I'm not hip to this, it's not good, whatever. Can I get something else or can I get it remade? We had to say yes. Half the sandwich is gone. It took you half a sandwich to realize you weren't a fan of the salami you ordered, but I'd have to remake it or make something else or make it sans salami. Now, I'm not here to complain about my food service experience, but the point is our management would focus as much on my ability to do that as my ability to sweep the floor in front of the entryway after closing. As much as as much attention on that as how I bust tables. Not whether I did or not, certainly I had to bust, got it. But how I bust, whether I stacked the plates in a particular way, did I stack the glasses in the most efficient way? Did I pile the forks and the knives and the spoons in a particular way? In the Minuteman three missile field, how I made a phone call under evaluation or in the field if I was talking to someone senior, how I made a phone call and what I said on the phone, regardless of how big of a deal it was, could earn me the same evil eye as sitting in an evaluation in a simulator and launching the wrong weapon on the wrong target and destroying the wrong target, which is a big deal. Make no mistake, there are things that are more important than other things. And the longer I was in the community, the more convinced I became that the entire job, I'm talking about missiles here now, talking about ICBM ops, the entire job boils down to two things. Entering arguments, which are the reason or the event that puts you into a particular checklist. Right, so you get a message that says launch. That's an entering argument to use the launch checklist. That's what an entering argument is. I don't know how common that term is actually. I've never heard it anywhere else but in the missile community. So I'll assume the worst and assume that we were just weird like that. But entering arguments and prioritization. That's it. Now there was a lot of education to be had in that community. There was a lot of technical information to learn. The more you learned, the better you could prioritize because you truly understood what mattered and what didn't, what would have an impact and what didn't, what actions would lead to what second, third, and fourth order effects. But succeeding at that job boiled down to two things, mastery of two things, entering arguments, why am I doing what I'm doing right now, and prioritization. And prioritization, believe it or not, is something you do every minute of the day, right? No matter what you're doing right now, no matter what you're doing right now, you've chosen to consume information with the sound of my voice, which I thank you for. You've chosen to listen to this podcast instead of an audiobook, uh, your Pandora station. Um, I was about to say a CD, but that's not a thing for anybody, right? Whatever music you listen to normally, whatever your music player of choice is, or meditating in silence, you've chosen in this moment to listen to this podcast, which means automatically you've chosen not to do something else or not to listen to something else. You might be at work right now. You might be driving right now. I often listen to podcasts on the commute. If I'm working from home, I listen in the morning while I'm making breakfast for everybody, or I listen on the way back and forth, taking the kids to school. But I could listen to other things. I listen to podcasts at that time. So you're making a choice, which means you have set a priority. In this moment, listening to this podcast 
is apparently a higher priority than listening to anything else that you could be listening to, which more than likely you have access to a near infinite list of things you could listen to in this moment. Every moment of the day you prioritize, which means every moment of the day you're saying, consciously or not, something is more important than something else. Something is always more important than something else. So when you come to your team or you come to your family, you come to your kids, you come to your class of students, you come to a group of people and you say, everything you do is important. You're telling them that nothing is. That's not effective guidance. It's only confusing. If I walk up to someone who's responsible for uh, manufacturing a car, if, if you're responsible for an assembly line and you're making a car, and I tell you every action is important, how do you know what to focus on? How do you know what part of the process to focus on? Quality control matters in making cars. Quality control is huge in food service. To go back to my food service example, but there must be something that's more important than something else. So for example, going back to my food service days long ago, we were all trained to do everything, almost everything, I should say. There were specialty food items we, we didn't do. Certain people did those, baking, um, baking and decorating for cookies and pastries and that kind of thing. But I was making sandwiches. The soup was trucked in, so I wasn't making soup, but I was making salads fresh. We were making sandwiches with the fresh, break, fresh baked bread. I was also running a register, taking credit card and cash payments, greeting customers at the door, at the door making coffee, cleaning the floor, bussing tables, all standard stuff, refilling the, the soda fountain, pop machine, whatever you want to call it. So all of these tasks are necessary, and I was trained to do all of these things. But there's a priority scheme even in that, if you think about it. Right? So how I greet the customer matters. If I'm at the register, and, and let's say there's a line of people building up at one register. I just showed up, and I'm clocking into a second register. I'm expected to greet customers from the register position as they walk in the door, but I'm also expected to support the team and, and give everybody the most expeditious service possible, right? Like you don't want to sit there standing in line for 15, 20 minutes. And, um, and I think you know what it's like when there is somebody kind of milling around a second register at the grocery store, at Walmart, at a, at a, at a Panera, at a Chipotle, at whatever, Somebody milling around at the second register, you're like, are you open or you're not? Because I'm in line, I'm like seventh in line. I'm 15 minutes into my lunch break. What's going on right now? Oh, you're counting money. Okay. Oh, you're clocking in, clocking out, clocking in and then going, oh, go, and then going away. Okay. Right. I need to clock myself in and get moving. So in that moment, there is a priority. My priority is to get my ass in gear, get the register counted and ready and flag down the next customer. Hey, I can take you right here. Welcome. What can I get for you today? There's customers walking in the door. There's a piece of lettuce sitting on the floor across from the sandwich pickup spot. The soda fountain's running low on whatever, ice. It's a restaurant, middle of a busy weekday at lunchtime. Plenty of things to do. Not enough team members to do it. Where have we heard that before? just about everywhere. But in that moment, I've got one thing I can do and need to do, and that is take the load off my compatriot next to me in the other register who's staring at a line of 15, 20 people in the middle of a lunch hour, a busy lunch hour. And so if management came up to me then, and this did happen, management came up to me and scolds me and, and my friend next to me. It wasn't like she was just focusing on me. She scolds both of us 
when, when there's a break in the traffic, of course, because she doesn't want to look bad in front of customers, but she scolds us for not properly greeting customers walking in the door. Okay. He had a line of 15 people. It's the middle of a lunch hour on whatever, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. People are in a hurry. You can tell they're in a hurry, right? Bouncing back and forth, leg to leg, checking their watch. They're on the phone. They're looking at the menu, making sure they walk up, knowing what they want to, what they want to have, what they want to order. The priority was getting folks through the line so that they could get their lunches and move on with their day. And, and when I'm, I would argue when I'm taking your order, one, you want me to get it right. And I didn't ever, I didn't always get the orders right. We all made those mistakes and I absolutely need to get your money right. So that's another example, right? Now I'm paying attention to a customer. I want to be cordial. I want to be accommodating. I want to provide great customer service, service with a smile. I want to make you feel like you're welcome in the shop. All these things. There's still people coming in the door that I've all but ignored and now uh, it's going to be 24 or 35. And you hand me a 50. If, if, if you're sitting there right now and you're like, okay, whatever, dude, easy math, big deal. Good for you. I'm not that guy. So you hand me a 50, which we can take, but taking a $50 note or higher requires a manager. At least at the time. Who knows if it's like that now? doesn't matter. So the manager is already next to us. She's not happy because we're ignoring the people walking in the door. And then I get a $50 bill from someone. And this happened several times over. You know, I get a $50. I got a $100 from someone once. And I was like, man, I, I'm so sorry. I cannot make change for this thing. I didn't say it like that. But in my mind, I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like, this is not, it was not fine dining, just to be clear. Walking in with a hundred dollar bill is not going to get you very far in this place, but unless you want to buy, you know, 75 paninis with all the fixings. But point is, you know, I have to ask the customer to wait a second. My manager is upset now because I've made the customer wait so that I can ask the manager to verify the $50 bill because I'm not allowed to do that. Take the 50, use the machine, make change. I count the change out. Because you do not want to give somebody less change than they're owed. You're going to get yelled at if you give them more because your register is going to be off and not in the restaurant's favor. But at the end of the day, if you're going to screw someone, you might as well screw yourself and not the customer. So you at the very least make sure you give them what you, what you owe them. I've got the manager next to me. My compatriots, you know, run, he's, his hair is just as much on fire making change, taking orders, trying to make sure the order tickets make it down the line. We're still missing things here and there. I can hear people coming up to the sandwich line and coming up asking for uh, a different side or this was supposed to be on the side or this was supposed to be toasted, all that kind of stuff, right? All this stuff is happening. But I know in that moment, my focus is getting the customer's order correct, giving them a smile, making change correctly, getting them in and out as fast as I can. Now, if, there's, if they're eating in, great. If they're not, I can get them on with their day. And then in the lull, the manager scolds us for not greeting customers when they're walking in the door. Scolds us for the order items we missed on the ticket. Scolds us for making change incorrectly and giving back more than we were supposed to. Well, okay. Anything about us running through 30, 40, 50 customers in 20 minutes or whatever it was? Any, anything about that? You got anything positive for me? No, just do these things better. Now, I can, I can hear some of you laughing, maybe sighing. If you know me, if you've worked with me, I've been coming to terms with, with this particular nugget now for a while. I used to be one of those people who said, when you give feedback in training, when you debrief at the end and then, you know, the instructor or the trainer or the manager or whoever is telling you how to do better next time. I was one of those people that, that always said and justified 
you focus on the negative. You focus on the negative because I only have so much time, which is true. But because of that, and because I have to make you as good as I can, 360 degrees all the way around, I focus on the negative so that I can build up all the weaknesses. So, if, so no news is good news, right? If I didn't say anything to you about the positives, assume you did them fine. But the negatives, my God, the negatives. And this is one of those things that I've been thinking about and rethinking a lot, not just in context of if everything's important, nothing's important, but also in the context of how do you motivate a team to be successful? And the more research I read, the more I read, the more distance I have from some of those training jobs, the more I realize, too late, unfortunately, the more I realize simply focusing on the negative and, and building all of the negative up to equal the positive and making everything look like it was the same priority was a mistake. It doesn't mean we didn't have effective training. It doesn't mean the instructors I work with weren't brilliant and probably had learned that lesson before I did, which is why we were so good because they knew the things that I didn't. But in my case, I justified that for a long time focus on the negatives. But as I put these, these ideas together in my head, and I, of course, have the benefit of some emotional detachment and some distance from the job, I realize all that does is make everything sound the same. Or, or at least it puts everything on the same level of importance. Because if you did the most important thing right, and then three unimportant things not so right, it wasn't perfect, but it never would have been perfect. But that should be a different conversation then versus if you did three unimportant things correctly and the really important thing badly. If I'm in a missile, if I'm in an ICBM capsule and I get a launch message and I have buckled myself into the seat, I have checked off my checklist checklist steps with precision, but I broke the missile through my own action or I launched it late or I didn't launch it at all because I sent the wrong command and I, and I sent the guidance system into a spiraling death whirl. So the computer freezes in the missile, but I checked my checklist steps off with precision. No, that shit ain't going to fly. Hopefully that's intuitive to you. It, it definitely is to me now for sure. What matters the most? Well, launching the missile on time matters because you're, you're probably hitting a target that's time sensitive maybe. Maybe you're hitting an enemy weapon before the enemy weapon hits you. Okay, that seems to matter. How important is it that I check off my checklist steps checklists that are in sheet protectors and I'm using water soluble ink, which I'm going to wipe off or it's going to get smeared off or I'm going to be dead in the next 12 hours anyway, if this is real life. So what I need to focus on is shooting weapons, getting the targets right, get the weapons off the ground, report to somebody above me that the weapons are gone. Who gives a shit about how well I checked off my checklist steps? But I tell you what, man, in the old days, that would be a conversation starter. Made all your key turns on time. Mm -hmm. Okay, good reporting. Told the higher headquarters what they needed to know. But you appeared undisciplined checking off your checklist steps. Wait, what? It's a lack of discipline. You always check off your checklist steps because you never know. Or right? if you don't check off the step, you don't know if you've done it. I'm pretty sure I know if I did the launch step or the prep command step, or the phone call step. And even if I didn't, wh what are we talking about right now? It's easy for me to say it this way now, in the moment, right? When you're a young crew member, back in my day, I was told one thing when getting feedback from an evaluator, keep your mouth shut. So I did. 
you're undisciplined. You need to check off your checklist steps. Okay. And launch the missiles on time. Well, yeah, of course, launch the missiles on time. God, what are you, are you kidding me? Come on. Okay. And fight the fire. Yep. And fight the fire. And get everything perfect on the phone call. Say it in the right order. Follow the script. Use the 19,000 mnemonic devices we gave you. Okay. You want me to greet the customer. You want me to help John Doe next to me. You want me to help my friend take half of his load of customers off the line so that we can get them through faster. Okay. You want me to get the orders perfect. Okay. You want me to make change perfectly. Not too high, not too low. Okay. You also want me to go help the sandwich line when I can tell behind me with the third eye that I have coming out my left ear that they're down on people, that they've lost a person because that person's busting tables because you told them to go bust tables because the person who's busting is helping the dishwasher because it's the lunch hour on Monday. Oh, okay. And that, okay. And I need to sweep because somebody spilled something and there's some salad on the floor. Yep, I'll go sweep. I didn't sweep now. Yep, I had customers. Okay, but I should have swept. You're right. Okay. If everything is important, nothing is important. If you tell your team everything you do matters, absolutely if you tell them everything you do matters equally, you've given them no direction. They are rudderless. And they will simply chase the next shiny object that pops up. Because by definition, the next shiny, shiny object is important. Instead of saying, I'm focused on this, I need to do this because this contributes to the mission, this contributes to the task, this contributes to the vision that the boss has, the other thing can wait. Don't mistake me, right? I certainly learned this lesson the hard way in the Air Force, in the military. This is not unique to the military. I'm getting flashbacks now to my time in college, to, the, to, the, to my sandwich-making days. Just thinking about that manager, I can still picture her. Those were not good days. If everything is important, nothing is important. If I was delinquent on my fire extinguisher training, I got counseled. I was talked to. My supervisor would tell me, hey, you, if you don't do this, we're going to hold you back from the field or we're going to hold you back the day you're deploying. We're going to punish the crew that's currently deployed. You're going to delay my changeover. You're going to delay me relieving them just so I can take fire extinguisher training. That could take a couple of hours because you can't fast forward the damn thing. Okay. I'm never going to use this in the field. Oh, right. Okay. But I, but I got to do it. Anyway. Okay. Yep. Rise of that. I failed by one question. It was for a fire extinguisher we don't even have in like on the base. Oh, okay, but I got to oh, retake it. Oh, today. Oh, right now. Okay. It's important. This is nuclear weapons. This is food safety. People believe in this product. People believe in this store's name. Everything you do matters. How you show up to them, how you fold the clothing on the shelf how you prepare the sandwich, how you bust the table, how you restock the shelves, how you take inventory, how you greet the customer. All of it matters. It's all important. Have you ever heard before that our brains are pattern recognition engines and they're prioritization engines? We look for patterns in the noise. We look for things that we can recognize. We, we recognize what we can, and then we build models off of that. I'm not a psychologist. I'm not formally trained, but I love reading about this stuff, and I'm absolutely fascinated by how complex and how advanced our brains are and can be and how we can train our brains and build new neural connections. But our brains filter and prioritize and focus. They cannot, by definition, care about everything at the same time. Not even your boss, not even you as the boss can care about everything at the same time. You can't care about everything equally 
simultaneously. And yet that's what you're telling your team members to do. So this conversation I was having yesterday about, about it wasn't about fire extinguishers per se, but as she was describing um, this team training they had to do, it was incidentally about, uh, I think it was either lawn care or water usage in the home, something like that. It was something about the home and this was HR mandated training at work. They do a monthly training and this was HR mandated. And I was like, what does that have to do with your job? She was like, absolutely nothing. But, and she said, well, you know, they're trying to keep us safe because we're members of the team and they're trying to reinforce blah, 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 blah. I'm like, whose ass are they trying to cover? Like who got sued because somebody on the team had a, had a lawnmower accident? has nothing to do with your job. It doesn't mean I'm happy that somebody had a lawnmower accident. And she said, you know, she just shook her head and we were talking about other things after that. But, if, but I immediately I thought about fire extinguishers and was inspired to do this very show, to have this discussion with you today, this week. And you've probably heard me say it before. We've talked about it before. I've talked about it with with uh, guests on the show, the idea that if everything is important, nothing is important. But I'm telling you, if it's all on the same playing field and all you see is one flat space where everything is equally important, none of it is. That guidance will not help your team succeed. It will only help them flail. What kind of fire extinguisher should you be using at work? Do you know? You know what the better answer is, I think? Your boss or your support team, your supervisors, your HR, whoever it is, the people responsible for the building, for your facility, for your workspace, they put the fire extinguisher in the space that's appropriate. Right? What, when, I, when somebody asks me what kind of fire extinguisher do you use, I say the red one. I have no, I have no clue. I don't know. I have some level of understanding, right? You don't pour water on a grease fire, right? If the grill gets too hot or if I've got hot oil on the stove, water's a bad idea. Yep, I got that. But I'm also not necessarily using a fire extinguisher. I'm using baking soda or I'm taking it off the stove and letting it flame out or, some, or something else, right? Not that I light a lot of fires in the kitchen, but get the point. Put the right fire extinguisher in the space and let's be done with it so that in, in the time, in the moment when it actually matters, in the actual emergency, I'm not sitting there making decisions about whether the fire extinguisher is legit or not. I'm just using the thing to save lives, save equipment, and end and the emergency. I never questioned it in a capsule. Why should you question it in your office, in the restaurant, on the ops floor, on the factory floor, in the store, in the back room? in the stock room, it, you shouldn't. How many team members actually need to know how a fire extinguisher, well, you need to know how it works, I suppose, how to use it, but how many of us need to know how many types there are and what they're all for, unless you happen to have every single one of those flammable substances in your workspace? Maybe you do. Then start using some pictures. If everything is important, nothing is important. We all know that something is more important than something else. What matters is that we acknowledge it and we appreciate that for what it is. It is a schema by which we live and by which we work every single day. So acknowledge your team members for prioritizing and making decisions. Even if you don't agree with the scheme, put it into context, put it into perspective, and if the impact to the day, to the mission, to the task at hand isn't large or isn't even measurable, then maybe it's not even worth mentioning. I'd love to know what you think of this conversation. And uh, I would love to hear from you by email, arun, A-R-U-N, at enabledword.com, or find me on social media, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. That's where I'm mm -hmm. active the most. Last thing I'll say for this round, for this week, 
Um, I teased it at the beginning. So I am uh, publishing my first digital product. It's an ebook, pretty short, designed for supervisors, first line, front line rather, supervisors, first time supervisors and managers. And it's called Our Team's Essential Skills. I've been asked this question a lot on active duty and not on active duty, right? How do we prioritize? How do we know where we should focus? How do I know how to develop a vision and a mission for the team, especially a team that I've walked into as a new supervisor where I inherited problems? Well, the first thing is those problems become yours. You get to own those now. But the second thing is, Adding procedures, adding processes, making lists, making to-do lists is not the answer. It will only confuse and it will only tell people everything is important. So how do you, in a systematic fashion, get your team together and cut out all the noise and cut the BS? All the stuff we're doing we can't be doing. We need to focus our effort. We need to focus on this or that or these, these few things. How do you do that? This ebook takes you step by step through that process. It's not meant to take longer than a couple of hours, maybe a half day at most. Depends on your size of the team, depends on the conversations you get into. If you go down a rabbit hole or two, great. Something good for an offsite, perhaps, or a day where you block off the calendar. No other meetings, no phone calls, no sales calls. If you can do it, get together as a team and do it. You can run it as a supervisor yourself, by yourself. But like with anything, if you get the team involved, not only do they buy in, they take ownership of it, and it lasts so I'm going to be putting some information out there uh, to my subscriber group and on the website, enabledword.com. The website is undergoing yet another redesign, but it's still live. So I didn't want to take the website down. There's still the blog on there that I update periodically, links to the other places where, um, where we write and publish, still links to the programs, uh, the coaching programs that we offer for leadership development and for personal development. Coaching.enabledlead.com uh, is another site to go to if you're interested in our Enabled Leaders one-on-one -on -one coaching program. That's the signature program. But in terms of this ebook, I'm really excited because I think it can, it can help any small team, and it's meant to be industry agnostic. Anything you do, anywhere it goes, it doesn't matter what the industry is. I genuinely believe it can help you. It's not going to go for very much. Um, but simply, you know, I, I ask absolutely not just for a small price, but also for your feedback. And beyond that, this is what I'd like to do. So uh, my email, one more time, is Arun, A-R-U-N, at enableword.com. Send me an email with your biggest takeaway from this episode today. Doesn't matter what it is. Even if you send me an email and you say, I hate you, I hate your voice, I hate your podcast, it doesn't really matter. Send me an email and um, three, of, three of our listeners, three of my listeners who send in an email uh, will not only uh, get the ebook for free for them and for their team, um, but they're also going to be uh, entered into another contest we've got coming up that I will talk about probably probably next week because it's I don't have it all ironed out yet and you will also end up on our subscriber list which also means um, permanent discounts off of the products that we're going to roll out here in the future in the next few months so send me an email arun at enabledword.com and you'll be entered to win a free ebook copy not just for you but for every member of your team um, and uh, something extra that we'll talk about here in the next week, next couple of weeks or so. Once I get the details ironed out, I'll be comfortable sharing it with everybody. Other than that, I hope you found value in this. Next week, we've got a, a, a conversation with a great guest. I'm excited for the interview. I'm excited for you to catch the episode. Let me know what you think. 
let me know what you like and don't like. Um, and remember, no matter where you are, no matter what it's like outside, no matter what work was like today, take a breath of fresh air, hug a friend or family member, hug a loved one and let them know how important they are to you. And seek every day to live better, to live only as you can live and to lead well. Take care, friends. We'll talk to you soon.